Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Uh, hello. And Michael. Howdy. These guys debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many topics. And this week's topic is the Mount Rushmore of cowards. Uh, Richard, you chose it? No, it's Michael. Michael, he's too scared to choose it. He's too yeah, scared. Yeah, I didn't like part of it, yeah. You don't have the cojones. Michael, why'd you choose it? Uh, I'll tell you what. I was watching the movie Jaws, and it's a movie that we've seen all co- probably collectively. Between the three of us, how many times do you think we've seen it? A hundred times? A lot. Ten. I think it's a lot. Maybe. Yeah. I've, I've seen this movie so many times. I had it on VHS. I've seen it uh, uh, you know, on DVD. I'm sure I've seen it on Blu-ray. I've seen it in every... Betamax, every possible way you can watch Magic Lantern on, version on a, leaves out on a, a big screen. That thing where you do like a little flip book, where you just like Viewmaster Shark played Jaws for the Revenge, one of the worst video games of all time for the NES. So I was watching Jaws and taking in this film. There's so much fear that is involved in this film. There is. Chief Brody's fear of water. There is um, the mayor, I can't remember the mayor's name, but his kind of, his fear of uh, losing that economic impact of the summer and the fear of revealing the truth about a shark being there. Um, Even um, uh, Quint kind of has this fear at this moment near the end of the movie where he realizes this shark is too big. It's too big for them to catch. And he has to turn to this, you know, the nebbish um, participant in this shark hunt, Hooper. He's got to turn to him and be like, uh, so you got a shark cage? You got to, we're going we're gonna to go in the water. And like, even he, this, this hardened seaman experiences this fear. But there's a moment in the movie where I was debating it. It was like, was this guy a coward? Or is this guy experiencing just fear? And there's a moment when the shark's in the water and this guy sees the shark fin and he turns and he like swims over like a kid or like a little raft to get back to the beach. Some random person that's not um, really important in in the scope of the movie. And I thought, oh God, is that guy a coward or is he just scared? I thought, oh, let's talk about cowards. I love the idea. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of of a coward of pushing a child aside to mm-hmm. get back to land. But I thought that maybe that's not cowardice in this instance. Maybe it's just everyone's been talking about the shark and I've got to get out of here. Yeah. So I think I, I think that movie is great in really capturing so many different aspects of fear. Um and maybe a little bit of cowardice too. And I'd like to see what we all think about. Um, you know, being a fucking coward. (laughs) Well, is it, uh, you know, sometimes we define the topic and uh, I almost feel like in order to be a coward, you kind of have to expose, you know, on any given day, I don't confront any challenge that. uh, (laughs) Any challenge. Any challenge, really. Like, I I don't know. Sometimes I have to talk my. Our our sweatpants, our sweatpants, (laughs) the challenge of the day. You're just like, and like in a cinchum. Or just yeah. let it. I do have to give myself pep talks for the dumbest things. 
I was like tying my shoes. Like, come on, you can do this Hopkins. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you got this or just like, I don't know. That's less but cowardice, like, more apathy. That's apathy. Yeah. Well, that's more apathy. So, so yeah. So, so you want to define fear well, versus a coward, cowardice. A coward. I would say if somebody, if I turn around and somebody's got a shotgun to my face, um, my first response is going to be shock and fear. But if I ran into a room where I know, knew uh, somebody was going to have a shotgun to my face, well, now I'm putting myself, now I'm showing the, maybe that's stupidity, actually, but if I needed to save my <laughs> wife, then that's bravery. I think, I think cowardice is, is an, kind of an understanding of the options around you and you choose the one that helps nobody but yourself. Yeah. In, in spite of the fact, like, I think that there, I think to be a coward, well, I think we'll talk about it in some of my choices, yeah. probably some Richard's choices, but I think that there is um, conscious or subconscious or unconscious. I don't know, maybe unconscious isn't, isn't quite the same. I think there is like a conscious effort to avoid a confrontation. And I think that's different than like what I talked about with like, um, with Brody having a fear of the water, you're actively avoiding something. I don't think that's necessarily cowardice, but when confronted by a danger and then you still retreat when you could be brave or you could be mm -hmm. just human, I think that that is a sense of um, cowardice. Mm. Okay, let's discuss it. Uh, Michael chose it, Richard starts. All right, my first choice is the uh, 1979 Kenny Rogers single, the coward yes. of the county. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's talk about Tommy for a minute. <laughs> Otherwise known as Yellow from other people throughout the county. By the way, it's not that he's the coward of the city or the general metroplex area. Yeah. Do you think they have a citywide <laughs> do the citywide cowardly winners have like a, it's a, a qualifying, regional, a qualifying. Yeah, qualifying events? <laughs> It's like dogs, like a dog show, but for like, cowards. Is it so they release a mouse into the I group? And whoever jumps the highest <laughs> makes county. It's like upper, county. It's like it's like upper cat, upper class Twitter of the year. Yeah, just <laughs> very similar. Um, yeah, Tommy was ten. Tommy was ten years old. His dad dies in prison, and the last during his last visit there, uh, Tommy pleads with him to make sure that he turns the other cheek whenever he can. So tells him, "Quote, son, you don't have to fight to be a man." Yeah. Which comes into play years later when uh, Tommy is in a, uh, his girlfriend, Becky, gets gang raped. Yeah, that's. Uh, I just want to throw that out there, by the way. And I hate to throw, I hate to throw that out, to throw out there so bluntly, but the song does it so bluntly. Yeah. That's the point. This is a nice Kenny Rogers story song. Yeah. I'm used to like gamblers and guys playing cards and stuff like this. No, we're talking about gang rape. What are we doing on this song? How did this yeah. become a hit? What is going on here? Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable that this, it's unbelievable that country radio said, yep. Yeah. That song sounds like that's all right to play. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, so after this happens, Tommy goes back to the bar room where the Gatlin boys are, locks up the front door, kicks some ass and takes some names. Yeah. That's the song. And, you know, along with being horrified by the lyrics mainly i'm horrified by the lyrics mm -hmm. but also i you know it, it kind of shows this concept of even a coward has to stand up for something at some point yeah 
and that even cowards have limits. And that's sort of this recurring trope throughout popular fiction is, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's the breaking point for even the most cowardly mm-hmm. man? And that's kind of the case here. Are, uh, that almost that song almost reminded me of like the f- song version of The Quiet Man, the uh, John Wayne film, and I think the novel that it was made from has a hero who has pledged to not to be a pacifist, and and those around him judge him for that. And in in the book, the person is not a big person. Like John Wayne is just a huge heroic figure who. Not too many people probably want to mess with him anyway, but but that is a yeah. It seems like a trope of if not westerns, kind of a kind of a, a rural type stories and things like that. Yeah, and I guess it's a difference between cowardice, which is abjectly not wanting to put yourself into those situations, yeah, where you're going to have to, in this case, fight, yeah, versus pacifism which is more what Tommy is, is portraying, which is attempting to find nine nonviolent means of getting out of a situation. Yeah. Those seem like those are two separate things, but with the town folk, um, they don't seem to see, they don't understand the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's all, it's all, it's all just, just cowardice to his bed. His bed in with the Gatlin boys didn't really. hold. Yeah. Yeah, and they all saying give peace a chance. Yeah, <laughs> my my take on this is that I think what Tommy knows that isn't contained within the three minute confines of a pop song, or isn't contained in the length of a YouTube video that someone shares of a a a child taking on a bully in the school cafeteria is that violence doesn't have a beginning and end. It's a cycle. And it doesn't end on a decor at the end of this thing. Uh, the Gatlin's cousins come in, they murder Tommy and his wife, and they, they murder his extended family. It's not something that has... It, it is not a s- solution. It is just this cycle that keeps going on and on. And... Right. Uh, it's it's a an exciting thing to think of. We think of it like a, a sports match where somebody wins and somebody loses, but it's just not <laughs> true. Uh, but some some people were like forwarding these videos years ago of of like kids in the cafeteria like taking on their bullies or confronting the person who's picking on them, revenge videos and like yeah, you're for you're sh- first of all you're sharing films. Even if the person's a bully, he's a child. You're showing a child getting injured, and you're you're just excited about it because you think that this is this is a solution. To something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yes, in within the realm of the trope of a country song, his cowardice is uh, something that does not. It is not a currency that this uh, this very uh, hard scrabble culture even understands. So. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not like a, a scarlet a scarlet letter on him. It's just this it's this letter. It's this yellow letter that's been placed on him. And he's just like, man, I I just don't want to, I just don't want to fight anybody. My yeah. Husband, yeah, yeah. So him and the preacher uh, believe in an eye for an eye, and nobody else in the town <laughs> believes in that. That's for sure. Absolutely. Ah, uh, Kenny, 
Was that is that Kenny Rogers? Did he write that sucker? No, he did not. It okay. was written by Roger Bowling and Billy Ed Wheeler. And the reference to the Gatlin boys may or may not have been because the Gatlin. <laughs> may may or may not have been because uh, Bolt Roger Bowling uh, had a, a personal grudge against Larry Gatlin for some oh, unknown reason. Wow, you know the Gatlins were like have been performing for like sixty years or something like that. Yeah, they're one of those ones that started when they were like five. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm like some the Louisiana talent show, Louisiana Hayride <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Do you are is the song Fight Test on any of your? No, but that's a great no. song. Yeah. For me, that's but almost the same thing. Like Flaming Lips rebooting that song. <laughs> Him's kind of saying, I thought it was smart not to fight. I thought there was virtue just to <laughs> step aside. And then just, no, you got to stand up to these assholes at some point. Well, first, at least the pink robots. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yoshimi, what's he going to do? Okay. Uh, Winfield, what's your first choice? Uh, my first choice is... Um, Maybe an easy one, but the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. Um, you know, maybe it's in his name, but I just love the idea of the Cowardly Lion being this creature that is so full of bravado that he has to puff his chest up. He has to, he has to exude this super macho yeah. um, lion-o uh, personality <laughs> uh, uh, over the Tin Man and the um, Scarecrow and Dorothy and of course um, Toto as well um, to prove that he is so tough and menacing and fearsome. And of course, all it takes is a little uh, whack on the nose to send him into this blubbering like mass of just like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just burnt Lord, just so <laughs> he's so <laughs> and just crying and yeah. falling to pieces. What you gotta do that? <laughs> He's just so one, at least in the movie, um, as I understand it, the the uh, kind of Frank um, Baum character is, uh, you know, a bit more heroic than the Cowardly Lion himself. But um, in the movie itself, he's just so uh, he's just so beside himself and he's mm -hmm. just unable to do anything. You know, I, I love the idea of just like this machismo, this tough, this tough outer shell that is just has like this creamy nougat center that is just so that is so quickly turned to jelly yeah i i think that's the thing is like he's so he, he just looks over his shoulder he's so scared of every little sound and he has just been living himself in fear and he gears himself up to like make this big this big stance and to and then suddenly it's gone and like through the rest of the you know the rest of the film for the most part he's just like um he's he, he's just a mess he's yeah. he's literally a character that is just a mess and uh i love it yeah he's uh, i i at the time i wonder how familiar uh that character uh that persona was associated with bert lar and mm -hmm. i know like ray bolger you know these guys were all kind of like famous performers by then it would be like we, we we uh had a movie now and johnny depp is playing you know this you know the <laughs> any character that johnny depp plays he already he brings with him this this uh um persona already and i think lar had had done so much vaudeville and done even done beckett and done all that stuff that he when audiences saw him as the cowardly lion, they probably knew he's going to do that shtick. That shtick probably he brought with him into that character. But as a mm. kid, I remember actually being kind of afraid of the lion. 
And then, oh, how excited I was that he was a nice, <laughs> you know, that he wasn't mean. <laughs> oh man, that's a fun choice. Uh, has he, uh, has your son? I do. Seen I do like you know. They're always uh, he's seen it. He doesn't give a shit about it. Yeah. My my kid wants to watch. The only things he wants to watch usually is. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, and um, what else is he really interested in? Uh, one or two specific episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. It's mostly because uh, uh, Poison Ivy throws a clod of dirt into <laughs> into Harley Quinn's face, and he just thinks that's the funniest. He's like, "Can I watch the one?" Where she throws the dirt in his face, and like the entire episode goes by, and it's literally like the sting at the very end. It's like, <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, he's seen it, but he doesn't think much of it. I don't know. It's weird. Kids, you know, he's three going on four, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You, I can never predict what um, he is going to be into until one of our later choices. Oh, so unlike, Boy. unlike, uh, well, I guess a cowboy character should be brave, but. Uh... There are some cases of cowardice in which the person is not a warrior. They are not a, a fighter. They are not expected to be brave. But the king of the jungle is supposed to be the brave. Yeah. He's supposed to be without predator. Even um, you know, he sings that, that his big song. If I were king of the world. Oh, so good. Ah, oh, that movie is so good. Yeah, that's good stuff. That movie was pretty great. I think of uh, Jungle Book. You know, in Jungle Book where. Mowgli is lost in the jungle with four, you know, drunken vaudeville jazz era entertainers. That reminds me of what uh, that was um, in uh, Wizard of Oz. Okay, man, Freddie, what do you got? Uh, my second choice are these Republican senators who oh, voted yeah. to quit Trump. <laughs> what a great choice. These guys. I, I, I thought about reading off the full list of, of Republican senators who are, are exempt from this, your Mitt Romney's, your Ben Sasses. But you know what? They did the bare minimum. They don't deserve to be called out for anything special. They did exactly what any person with any sort of conscious conscience or courage yeah. would do. Um, it's just unbelievable to me that, that, that Trump basically led this insurrection that, that, that got an a, a angry mob to storm their office where they work, basically. Yeah. And even like a Mitch McConnell will sit there and say, well, something, you know, Trump should definitely be, you know, sanctioned for this or there should be consequences for this because this was really awful. But then that when it comes, yeah, when it comes time to actually do something like impeachment. Nope, nope, not not, not that though. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 slow down, cowboy. Well, he, he had the nerve to um, uh, tease that he would vote for it and then vote against it and then come out with like a, you know, kind of scathing speech. And it's like, you don't get to make this speech. Right. You don't get, you don't get to immediately vote to acquit this guy and then say, oh, but he's actually responsible for it. Like those two things don't gel. Uh, what, a cho- what a good choice, Richard. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just basically, I mean, like you said, Michael, if you, if they make these, they'll make these speeches and talk about how, yes, Donald Trump shouldn't have done this. But then don't vote to to uh, to impeach him on those very charges that you just said he did. That's a hell of a jury. I want those. If I ever get if I ever get convicted of murder or ever get accused of murder, mm-hmm. I want republic. I want Republican senators on on my jury because apparently they won't convict you even if you 
they come out and admit that you did it. Doesn't matter. Just stop and try to think like there's some, I saw some hysteria about the, the rune shape. They're saying that the, the floor of the CPAC stage was the shape of a Nazi ancient Nazi symbol or rune or something like that. 100%. I wouldn't be, this. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Not, if it was just like, a swastika, I would have, I would believe that. It's just a square. It's a square. I've done shows before. You get a circle, you get, you get straight, you get a square. They, they had staging Richard, and they put, made a shape out of it. Richard, we have spent far too long in quarantine and not enough time with Jeff. That's true. <laughs> to, um, to, to, to really pound it into him. Oh God, this sounds sexy. Yeah. What I'm oh, well, saying, well, there's that. Well, there's that too. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's I'm, really that. I guess what I'm like think is, um, I know our democratic, my liberal uh, publications that I read, and my democratic base is trying, is finding newsworthy stuff that's going to fuel hysteria, and there's stuff that's absolutely fucking real. Like Trump's insurrection is absolutely fucking real. Mm. He he stirred these guys. He instructed them. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and uh, absolutely fucking real. But the stage being a Nazi symbol, it's just a fucking square. It's not. It's not, it's not. Those guys are too dumb to pick up a history book and determine. That's true. That's that's very true. There's no no planning. It's the stage is going to be whatever fucking. Square shape trump think, said it was so yeah. i think i think that's the well yeah but uh, it's not like he's planning anything i think that's the unfortunate aspect of all of this is there is this this cross this crossing of uh deviousness and stupidity and i think that makes up the entire uh, 78.7% yeah. of that party is that it is stupidity listening to blowhards plus a selection of people that are just um, so devious and so uh, mm, they unwilling. Chose, un <laughs> Go ahead. They chose the they chose the party and the platform that, I, in my opinion, was easiest to sway because they're not informed. They listen to Fox News and now, what is the other one? News America or whatever the the, the new thing. Though, like, yeah, the, yeah, it's it's like Costco and then Sam's <laughs> Sam's Club of these news outlets. And now they're stuck with this base that hears one binary communication. If they don't, if they vote to um, indict Trump then their base hears he's an anti-american coward communist that's what they hear they don't hear anything like this guy was the person voted for what is the definition of insurrection as defined by they just it's just a one note thing so sure. it could it could have been it could have been um uh, uh trump on tape saying i want to do an insurrection and then they would have been like but what but what does insurrection mean? In that's not just a bad word. Right? It's it's the bill. It's the Bill Clintoning of what what the definition of is. Or is. he was or he was kidding. 
their base would hear their base would hear he voted against America. That's what that's all their base uh, would hear. And those idiots, those those assholes chose to represent that base. So it's it's their fault. But they're also stuck in a place where, oh, my fucking God, I can't I can't. But that's but that this exactly I'm not I hate to make Richard's point for him. This goes exactly to the point of cowardice where you're unwilling to make a tough choice. You're unwilling to go against um, the people that uh, voted for you because of what is the morally right thing to do. I think there's an aspect of um, being a coward where there's a moral lack or there is a uh, a schism between what you know is the right thing to do versus what you are choosing to do actively. And literally this is what it is more all these people like i don't think any of these um 50 and 60 and 70 year old senators are going out there and aren't fully equipped to have seen everything to have been running for their lives to have been ushered out of wherever they were to have the offices trashed have all the things that have happened and say no they were making this they're making a very they're making a very direct calculation on what they're going to do because of polling, because what they think the people that would potentially vote for them will not do is vote for them and they'll be primary and all these different things. And it's like, it's exactly goes into, ah, oh God, I fucking hate Ricky Richard, Richard's point for him. It's, I'm just sitting here having some tea, you guys. He's just, he's, <laughs> See, I'm good he's just having, my, but it's like, it's like, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think, hmm, part of me doesn't think that any of these people actually believe the things that they do, but they yeah. do the things that they do to stay in power. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, the end awful. result is, well, if I, if I voted that way. And, and the end I'm, result is another six years and I get another X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars and I get all these kickbacks and all yeah. these things and I'm set up for, for life again and again and again. And yes. All right. Uh, so I'll make, what's your I'll second make a, choice? Oh man, I'm gonna take it real light right here. You're George Costanza, man. yeah, George Costanza. <laughs> oh, beautiful from Seinfeld. <laughs> George Costanza is a wonderful coward, and it's not that there's only been one chance in which he has proved himself to be a coward. Um, be it with the Van Buren boys, if you recall the episode of Seinfeld where, like, he uh, accidentally <laughs> happened to. Uh, to run into a gang of uh, people that um, represent themselves uh, proud of the eighth president of the United States, the first from New York, Martin Van Buren, (laughs) by holding up uh, eight fingers, um, or the quintessential cowardly George Costanza episode called The Fire, where George Costanza is over at a birthday party for like his girlfriend's niece or nephew and at that party he's arguing with a clown named eric who doesn't know uh bozo the clown and he can't (laughs) believe he doesn't know bozo the clown and then a fire starts in the kitchen and in the melee he pushes a ladies out of the way he pushes a kid out of the way he pushes (laughs) an old woman out of the way uh in a walker (laughs) To get out, to get out of the building, screaming fire! Fire <laughs> it is such a wonderful act of cowardice. 
And of course, George um, tries to downplay it. He tries to, uh, because he's a, true, he's a true coward. He tries to write it off as if that act of cowardice was this, uh, an aspect of bravery, as if he was Ugh. trailblazing and <laughs> making way for everybody else to get out of the building. Of course, the fire was easily put out by a giant shoe by, um, by the clown. And um, later on, of course, in the episode, uh, uh, you know, the cherry on top is that George tries to get back with his girlfriend who broke up with him. Uh, and she happens to be, and she and George happen to be at like uh, one of Jerry's shows and she sees some, and he sees somebody with like a prop gun you know, a comic, a comic, a prop comic that has like a, you know, one of those bang guns. Yeah. Like a, something out of the Joker. Yeah. Uh, that the Joker would have. And then he does the same thing. <laughs> he yells gun and runs out of a crowded uh, cop, <laughs> comedy cellar. And I just, I just love that. I love that. Comes full circle. George will, is always and will forever be a coward. A coward. Counterpoint, he did save that whale. Wasn't a title list. <laughs> well, George also that's, that's very funny. can't break up with this fiance, uh, so that envelopes have to be the thing that ends the, the uh, impending marriage for him. So there's a guy who's letting stationery do his dirty work. <laughs> that's so. That's very funny. Yeah, he he will he will he will ride a situation to the to the to the nth degree to not make an actual choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you have a choice audience and we hope you'll be brave enough <laughs> to take it. And that is to uh, rate us, review us. We we're not cowards. We'll take any stars you give. You give us a one star. Um, that's fine. You know, I'm reminding myself of all the social media posts, uh, videos that I see from, uh, teenagers, 20-somethings, in which the first line they say in the video is, I don't care what you think of me. Well, if you don't, why are you making this video? <laughs> That's what I ask you. But uh, we care what you think of us, uh, but we're not afraid to hear it. So uh, rate this episode, this episode, and then go to the place where you get podcasts, download some other episodes, binge on it. This is will be the last, okay, Pandemic's about to be over, folks, and people are going to ask you, what did you do of any significance during the pandemic? What are you going to say? I listened to all the Mount Rushmore podcasts. <laughs> That's what you're going to say, and I ranked them all. Well, a, a brave soul would have done that. A brave soul. Not a fucking coward. Yeah, well, you, what did you chicken? <laughs> Go back and listen. Don't be chicken. Uh, You've got 260 episodes that you could, you could have cranked through. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! If you thought uh, COVID was bad, Mount Rushmore is worse. <laughs> That'll kill. That shit'll kill you. So now we're gonna go to uh, Richard's third choice. My third choice is Edmund Blackadder. Oh, uh, <clears throat> what a great coward! Much, that's... much, much along the same lines of George Costanza. Um, <laughs> particularly the first season, uh, Blackadder. Okay. Uh, where he is at his most sniveling and cowardly. And as, as we get to later seasons, it's more sort of 
he's either social climbing or it's self-preservation, certainly in the last season. He's, de- uh, he's developed a more cunning plan. He has his plans have become more cunning. And, but in that first season, he really is just an out and out coward. And I, 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 I appreciate it so much. What I love about uh, you just tapped right into just the, into my veins. I, I love Black Adder more than anything. <laughs> um, what I love about Black Adder is that his social climbing gets worse and worse. He, you yes. know, he starts at, he starts out as a prince and moves down to, uh, I don't remember what he has in season two, but maybe he's a duke. And then by season three, he's um, uh, <laughs> butler, uh, a butler, and then he's he's uh, just a simple um, soldier. But I love that he gets smarter and smarter and more clever and more clever. But his social status goes down in spite of it. Like he was better off being, and, and I'm sure that was very intentional. That he's, you know, he <laughs> the most powerful are the most stupid. And it's also inverse with um, with Baldrick too. I believe in the first season, Baldrick is a little smarter than he is by the end of season four when he's carving a name on his own bullet. Right. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, I've tried to watch it, and uh, it's just not in the. Did, did you start the... with season one? Here's yeah. the problem: don't do it. Don't oh, start okay. with season one. That's that is the true mark of. Uh, Black Adders, don't go with season one. Start with season two, because uh, I think season episode one, season one, episode one, season two of Black Adder has a cameo appearance by um, um, Rick Mile as the Lord Flashheart. Oh yeah, and you're just like you're in. It's okay. got cro- it's got cross dressing. It's got Rick Mile playing a character that he is that you're not used to him being, and it's. It is just uh, delightful. But the first season of Blackadder is rough. Oh. Okay. Yeah, he's a coward, like Richard says. Yeah. So Rowan Atkinson was brave enough to say, the problem we have online is that an algorithm decides what we want to see, which ends up creating a simplistic binary view of society. It becomes a case of either you're with us or against, and if you're against us, you deserve to be canceled. So he's speaking out against oh, cancel. Please. Culture. I don't 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 ever read anything about any of your comedy heroes, yeah. especially if they're British, apparently, because between him yep. and <laughs> him and, and John, John Cleese. Cleese, yeah, just yeah. forget it. Between uh, the ages of 60 and 77, when you're a British uh, uh, comedy icon, it's just not good. It's not a good yeah. place to play unless you're like maybe um, Adrian Edmondson. I mean, I bet you and, Tracy. And then just, and then just yeah. a perfect and then just perfect. Band, yeah. yeah. Uh, Winfield, third, the third. My third choice is uh, Chosen Taguchi, the nephew of Sato from The Karate Kid Part Two. Oh, this guy is a hell a coward. (laughs) What I love about him is that he has a lot of the similar aspects of uh, the cowardly lion, is that he's a with the exception that he's an actual tough guy. So if you remember the story of the Karate Kid. Uh, well, sure. Everyone's told everyone, before everyone they go does. to bed at night. Yeah. yeah. Lay, as, you, as I lay me down to yes. sleep, uh, here is the crane kick that yeah. I keep. <laughs> <laughs> Winfield! Um, uh, 
in the Karate Kid Part Two, um, Daniel um, and uh, Mr. Miyagi travel to uh, Okinawa because um, uh, Mr. Miyagi's uh, father is dying and he has to travel back and he's been avoiding traveling back for a number of years because of a confrontation with his old best friend, Sato. And um, they uh, scheduled fight that they had over a woman hmm. some 40 years prior, or maybe even longer, 50 years. He left um, Okinawa and got on a boat and went to America because he's, he preached uh, you know, nonviolence. We talked about nonviolence earlier. He didn't want to fight anybody. So he comes back and um, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi are met at the airport by uh, Chozen, who is revealed to be the nephew of Sato. And this guy's a real asshole. He's oh. like real, like south side of the tracks, uh, sort of like tough guy, uh, kind of, it's just bad news. Yeah. He gets into a bunch of different uh, confrontations with um, Daniel uh, throughout the, the town. And um, Daniel kind of shows him up in this big, like, um, ice block chopping competition where uh, uh, Chosen <laughs> loses a bunch of money. But I got to say, if you've ever played the Karate Kid Part 2 video game for the NES, the ice block challenge is not that hard. <laughs> you can do it. It's just all about timing and you can put your hand right through all 10 blocks of ice. It's no big deal. So I don't know what everyone is uh, having an issue with but yada 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 you get to a point where like Mr. Miyaki eventually agrees to fight Sato and on the eve of that fight a typhoon hits the island and everyone starts getting huddled in these um in these kind of bunkers these storm shelters but Sato is in his in his house or someplace and it falls on him and Miyagi comes out and he Karate chops the wood and saves his longtime friend and nemesis and Daniel helps. And then there's this girl that's stuck at the top of this emergency bell tower and she's ringing this bell and she can't get down. And Sato turns to his nephew and Daniel, Daniel runs out to help her. And Sato turns to him and he says, uh, you, you, in this voice, you go help too. He says, just like that, that wasn't, derogatory nope. it was just it was just an impersonation yep. it was just i it is i have it in my head and he won't do it he cowers he pulls himself back into this crowd of people this women and children and men and old men in the crowd and of course daniel and sato help save the girl and uh sato turns to his nephew and he says you you are not my nephew and the guy <laughs> runs out of the building. He runs into the night, oh, never to be seen again. Of course, the next day is the night of the big, of the big uh, festival, and Daniel's dancing with his kind of girlfriend. And then here mm. comes Chosen sliding down these, this, uh, this big like wire of electrical lights, and he has a big fight, and yada yada yada. Daniel wins, but this. It's great. I love seeing villains mm -hmm. have this bravado and being so tough up until the moment where they're just like, yeah, 
that the metal that you know the the rubber reached the road and their metal is really tested and then they just like they cower back and they prove they've always been they've always mm-hmm. been opportunists and not people that actually do the right thing or that, ah just yeah. he's so great he's so great at being as having these two aspects he's such an asshole and then he's such a coward and i just ah uh, just gets me is it a toxic idea though is the idea of bravery mm. and the ability to because what one thing uh um that the senators who voted to acquit weren't being faced with uh, a you know there wasn't a gun at their head or whatever they had all this time to contemplate and do the wrong thing but like is it a toxic idea to say that one could one live their life the rest of their life um just berating themselves because in this moment they blinked they flinched and in that in that moment they their uh self-preservation instinct took over but it's if (laughs) if it wasn't like okay so for for someone like that for like these republican senators it's not like they had a moment to think about it it's not like they were suddenly presented this thing and then all of a sudden all of a sudden it had it was a month later they lived through this yeah they've lived through like the deliberations and yet they still persisted being cowards yeah but with something like i think that i think with daniel and chosen you have these two paths and Mm -hmm. immediately Daniel chose to go out into the rain, into the storm, into the literal typhoon, climb up the thing, help the girl down. Yeah. And this other person who is stronger and bigger than Daniel, who in theory could do this thing, but chose not to because not necessarily, it's maybe it's fear, but I think it comes down to this bigger aspect of just cowardice. Like Mm -hmm. you could do the right thing, but you're choosing not to. And maybe there is a sense of your status will protect you. Mm. Yeah. Like he is the, he is the nephew of the guy that owns basically 90% of the Island that is on the verge of demolishing it. Yeah. So he'll be okay. So I don't have to do anything. He'll be okay. And until the part where, you know, the ultimate thing comes down is like the honor that's inbuilt into the society. And he's like, you are no longer my nephew. And he's like, ah, I run out into the, yeah. he's now, he's now a, a wraith in the wind, you know? Mm-hmm. It's exciting. I, I Richard, have you seen the karate kid? Yeah. <laughs> the first one. I believe I have once or okay. 80, it's good. Yeah. 18 it's good. times. Yeah. Well, it's a story. Yeah, it's we're told. Check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manfredi, what's your final choice? Do you have the courage to tell me? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what was, was that falsetto? Was that your natural pitch? That's actually how I naturally talk. I bring it down. <laughs> I go, yeah. So I heard uh, Fresh Air or something interview with Andre Brower, where he was talking about um, how his career changed when he changed his voice. Like, oh, really? What are, you, what are you talking about? This isn't my voice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Yeah. So speaking of high-pitched voices, uh, my last choice is a two-for-one, but I don't know how you could extract them. It's Shaggy Shady. and Scooby-Doo. Oh, 
Oh, oh, Two of the biggest the, cowards you will ever see. The yin and yang. Well, lovely choice, Richard. Uh, I, uh, I thought of them specifically for this reason. They always get sent split up and they're sent to go try and find the ghost or the yeah. werewolf or whatever it is. And invariably their knees are shaking and they're, you know, Scooby's jumping into Shaggy's arms or Shaggy's jumping into Scooby's paws or whatever is happening. And the whole thing goes down. Then it turns out it's actually old man Willoughby. And this happens every time. You would think by the 30th or 40th time, Shaggy and Scooby would be like, wait a second. Where are we so scared about? Yeah, it's an elderly guy. Yeah, we all know it's going to be an elderly guy. Richard, I love this choice because this ties into my choice almost pitch perfectly, but finish your thought. I love this. No, I'm, I, that, that, that's my main, my main point behind this. I just don't understand. I understand cartoon characters. Hanna-Barbera characters from the 70s aren't exactly going to have character arcs and growth. <laughs> I get that. But at some point, you'd think there would be a, just a little bit of a self-awareness yeah. to understand what's happening were, over and over again. Were there a counselor whose other clients might say be Wiley Coyote, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Jeff, 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 I I, I know that you, (laughs) we just came up with the show for, for adult swim. I know that you, we throw texts around a lot, a lot of times and like, can you help me out with this idea that I have? And I'll shoot back something or sometimes (laughs) I'll say, yeah, I'll totally help you out on this. And I'll totally just ghost you for like three weeks at a time. But like, uh, cartoon therapist is <laughs> it's just delightful uh, i like, mean uh, you could probably call him like uh, dr cats dr cats yeah i don't know maybe something like that i i would imagine they might need a psychologist because is that the one who can prescribe drugs because psychiatrist. those guys, psychiatrists those guys are doing some pharmaceuticals to begin with so i wonder if there's psychotropic uh reactions to those Scooby snacks that are either creating an inability to manufacture long-term memories in which they right. cannot retain. <laughs> or, they may not, or they may not be able to separate reality from, from, yeah. from fiction. At this yeah, point. That, that, that could be. It's unbelievable. Could be. Okay, okay it Michael, be, what's, what's your be, choice? It could be van exhausts. Too. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. May not be proper a, a proper 64. exhaust system in, yeah. the, in the mystery machine. <laughs> Michael, what's your choice? Not now that uh, we've my, set you up. Uh, my my last choice is uh, Cringer from He Man and the Masters of the Universe, <laughs> the filmation oh. uh, animated series from 1984. Um, mostly because um, as of late, my child has um, discovered He Man and the Masters of the Universe through paper dolls and a big like art book that I have of He-Man and my personal childhood favorite toy. And, oh my God. So talking about Cringer, we have, you know, watched a couple episodes here and there. And this is Prince Adam's, uh, I guess, pet cat who can talk, you know, as you do, but he's not just a cat. He is this a kind of a, t- a giant tiger, green tiger with yellow stripes. <laughs> but he's just, he's just a huge coward. He's lazy. He is, all he wants to do is eat. He can't stand the idea of battle, which is different from like Prince Adam. Prince Adam is like the um, Clark Kent 
alter ego to He-Man. You know, he lifts his power sword and says, uh, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power with a lot of vibrato. And, you know, turns into literally, literally the most powerful man in the universe. Not on Eternia, not in the galaxy, the universe. He's the most powerful man. He takes his power sword, he points it at Cringer, and Cringer turns into Battle Cat, who is fearless, who is fierce, who can jump across huge, you know, mm-hmm. ravines and save people. And then, of course, reverts back to Cringer. And this idea, of this this episodic idea that there are these characteristics of just being a coward, and you're partnered with this person that can defeat anyone at any time and you change and then you revert back to being a coward. (laughs) You just like, you have all this experience. It's not like he forgets it. It's not like it is a transformation that seemingly alters his mind as well. It seems like, okay, he knows he becomes battle cat. He man Mm -hmm. or Prince Adam knows he becomes he man. These things are like, these adventures are known yet every time he turns back into this fucking coward cat yeah and it's he has this gross little coward voice and his paws (laughs) over his eyes and everything but um i would love just this uh this animation uh you know uh what was the thing that hannah barbera used to do where they like wacky races just get wacky races but get all the coward characters together get get snarf from the thundercats get cringer get Mm -hmm. um scooby and shaggy awesome get maybe jabberjaw too it was jabberjaw (laughs) a coward i don't know if he was but he feels like one hmm yeah i don't know he was curly essentially from the three stooges right yes and baggy pants was charlie chaplin i think baggy pants and the nitwits yeah i love i love the idea that at some point was a development exec said you know well they'll each have these earth or these kind of normal mild-mannered alter egos but the cat's gonna be a real pussy really why do i gotta be why gotta be like that i mean i don't know but like i i only thought of it just because we've been doing these paper dolls my kid is just yeah he's just sitting there and he's just looking at this book he's like Triclops, that'd be a funny core, spike core, <laughs> whiplash. He's just pointing at the characters. He's like, "What's that one?" I'm like, "Uh, that one's Hordak, Hordak Trooper, Blast Attack." I was just like, "Yeah, oh, I love it. Cool. I love it. I love the idea that Hulk hates Banner. Oh yeah, Banner <laughs> compared to Hulk. Banner to Hulk is this puny nothing." worthless piece of Mm. shit who could probably cure cancer if you figure if we got enough time between rage fits but that would be fun that would be a fun take on hulk is to make banner just a cowardly asshole (laughs) who doesn't tip at restaurants or steals from like the honor (laughs) snacks thing hulk tip 40 percent you don't have to the pandemic's (laughs) over Oh, Kim Hunter Banner, open door for a woman. Come on, be a man. Banner leaves stack of quarters on table and take one away every time he doesn't bring back in a water glass filled. Oh, no, class. (laughs) Okay, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I want to just say that we, as uh, I, 
I was speaking on my behalf, not Michael Richard, but we are not uh, coward shaming here. If you want to be a coward, fine. That's your, that's on you. Um, uh, but now it's uh, your turn. Don't be a coward with these picks, Jeff. Okay. All right. You're trying to, I see you're trying to get out of it. You're trying to get out of it. This feels like this feels like one of like the hidden tracks on like a Mr. T album. <laughs> Don't be a coward. <laughs> Don't be a coward, Jeff. Specifically, Jeff. Don't be a coward. <laughs> Jeff. Hey mom, is this like a song that he records with different names for every kid? No, it's all Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said my last name too. This is like a record, like a custom made with just my name and every other kid has their name. No, it's no, just no, your Mr. name. <laughs> Mr. G, Mr. T knows that all Jeffs out there all are just Jeffs huge cowards. Are cowards. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, okay, uh, let's go with, because it took me back, the coward of the county. And fuck those Republican senators. Uh, let's just say that. Good choices. And I uh, got to go with... Uh, Cringer and He-Man and um, just because anybody else would be, I think, afraid of looking so uncool to um, have remembered anything that has to do with Karate Kid Part 2, the character of Chosen Taguchi. So it's two and two. We're back, baby. We're back. We are. And and I'm sure for the next 12 episodes, we'll have guests again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the so, A-list uh, comics that are my friends. So enjoy the three of us yammering away by ourselves <laughs> while you can, because yes, enjoy it now. All right, this has been the Mount Rushmore of cowards. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Jeff. <laughs>